0: Welcome back to Behind the Wings, a podcast produced by Wings Over the Rockies Air and Space Museum in Denver, Colorado, and we've got a lot to explore. Stories about how history shapes aviation today, trailblazers in space, and up-close looks at iconic aircraft of the past, present, and future. It's time to go Behind the Wings. make sure you subscribe and if you like the show give us a rating it helps new people find the show we really do appreciate it it uh, could even be a five-star review but hey we'll leave that part up to you now we're excited to bring you a special episode today hey everybody i'm your host rick crandall with me as always is wings over the rockies president and ceo john barry john what do we have for folks today
1: Well, Rick, uh, we're doing something pretty exciting today. We're exploring the Space Force, the first new branch of the U.S. military in over 70 years. This is an historic time. It's kind of like 1947 when the U.S. Air Force separated from the Army and established themselves as a separate force. So now we have the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, and we now have Space Force, a unique time in history. So
0: over to you. All right. Our guest today is Colonel Marcus Jackson, the commander of Space Base Delta II, headquartered at Buckley Space Force Base, Colorado. As a commander, he leads an 857 member team providing base operating support. Let's get started. Colonel Jackson, good to see you. Great to have you with us today. Likewise. So I'm gonna just right here at the beginning uh, give you a bit of a chance to introduce yourself, fill people in a little bit on what it's like to be uh, the commander out there at SB Day 2
2: So uh, Colonel Marcus Jackson got to the uh, position as commander Space Base Delta Two in June of 2021. Space Base Delta Two, what we're responsible for is the combat support of 111 mission partners on this installation. Sam, what does that mean? So when you think about power installation infrastructure, HVAC, engineering um, components to force support services, BX commissary support, all the things that make an installation go, space-based Delta II, formerly the Buckley Garrison, is uh, what we do here on site. Oh, that's a great start,
1: um, Marcus. Thank you. You know, this is going to be a clarifying episode for us uh, and our listeners as we explore, you know, the Space Force, its mission, and its relevance to our daily lives. You know, I'm always surprised how there's a little bit of confusion about what the Space Force is now because it's so relatively new. And to start off, what is Space Force? And give us some insights from your perspective on how that decision uh, was made to take up some of the space responsibilities that
2: were previously with the Air Force and how to branch off into newly formed Space Force. Okay. uh, I'll give you a little bit of a background. So the Space Force was a derivative from the Air Force Space Command that uh, dealt with space operations for the Air Force, and that was 1982. Uh, During that operating environment, space was not necessarily a contested, congested environment. And the Air Force was able to leverage uh, the space domain to have advantages in other domains like air, land, sea. And so using the capabilities of the satellites over the years at Air Force Space Command, Uh, We enjoyed some uh, big time advantages, but our competitors over the last 20, 30 years have been watching us closely and they know how we leverage our space assets. And so over the last three or four years, there has been a re-emphasis on uh, the space domain because it's no longer a uncontested environment. It's a congested full competition environment. And as such, we needed a service that's completely focused in the space domain and to integrate processes of the space domain into our other domains, be it air, land, sea, cyber, and US Space Force was created in December 2019 to carry that laser focus of the space domain. That space domain competition that we see day in and day out is what we're chartered, we're responsible for organizing, training, and equipping our guardians to protect and defend the uh, space domain, and also to compete with our competitors and to really focus on protection of what we do day in and day out for our U.S. citizens and our allies. Things like having a cell phone and being able to use communications to using ATMs and having, having a civil transaction occur. All that's being utilized by what we do day in and day out. And from a Space Force perspective, we are there to make sure those capabilities remain with our nation and with our allies.
0: I have had the pleasure across the street from Buckley at the Colorado Freedom Memorial to get a front row seat to everything changing and i i swear there was a time there and i would tease about this where every time i went down sixth avenue to go to the gate there at buckley there was a new name on the sign you mentioned <laughs> garrison a little bit earlier but uh, it, it seemed if you were a sign maker that was the job you wanted to have because that thing was changing and not just that but but to create this newly formed branch there's a a new song there's new uniforms there's a new name for members they're not airmen you know they're they're guardians and proud of it and what goes into i i I can't even imagine you you had an inside seat to this but what goes into creating all those new elements of the space force and and really that kind of tells us a bit about the the culture of this space force as compared to
2: other branches, right? Well, absolutely. And, uh, and a great question. The number one focus is knowing the mission of each of our Space Force organizations. Uh, we're broken down into deltas and uh, converting that into Air Force speak. Historically, uh, a mission set would be identified to a particular air wing, and typically the operations group within the air wing would drive that mission. Space Force has basically taken all the mission-like missions and put it under one delta. So, for instance, Delta Four, who is tied to the missile warning, missile tracking perspective, will leverage all the units and squadrons and assets at various locations and have it all under one Delta for consolidation efforts. And in layman's terms, you have maximizing your, your capacity and capabilities under one house. You streamline processes. So the Space Force took that different approach on how we are organizationally developed. With that, that gave us an opportunity to create our own heritage. You mentioned that we now have a Space Force song, the Semper Supra anthem. When it comes to uniform wear, we are remaining with our Air Force counterparts and wearing OCPs. And then our service dress is currently in in the works. But we have a long lineage with our Air Force teammates, and we are baselining our current service uniforms based off of the historical Air Force uniforms. And so we're doing all this all on the move as uh, missions are uh, being accomplished, as heritage and lineage is being developed as we speak. And it's been an exciting and very challenging opportunity that that we've had. One way to put it is you're building the airplane You know, as it's flying. Well, now you can say you're building the
1: rockets to go into space as as you're launching into space. It's crazy. (laughs) That's well put. Well, you know, one of the things I think I think our audience can appreciate is a little bit understanding. We got the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps. We've got the Coast Guard. It's actually part of uh, transportation. But one of the things that people may be surprised to learn that they interact with space, as you kind of alluded to, every single day. You know and it's for free. And and what I'm really talking about now is GPS and the global positioning system. And, you know, you can't get from your house to your supermarket anymore without GPS, never mind banking and all the things that you had alluded to before. So what is Space Force's role in providing GPS services?
2: So Space Force's role in providing GPS services, first and foremost, is making sure that capability is continuously available day in and day out. We have a... competitors are always trying to, you know, degrade and mess with that system. And that's what our whole in life is, is to protect that. And also the evolution of GPS, um, as you know, years and technology advances, the ability of leveraging GPS into next generation is important. Um, when we talk about, uh, how accurate, uh, GPS is, we live and die by it in the military on a lot of our weapon systems. But when we look from a a civilian perspective, the accuracy is so important for uh, making sure the items such as cell phone and what I mentioned earlier with ATM usage is on point. And when you talk about navigation, you know, our airlines are very reliant on that capability and making sure that is protected day in and day out for those services is our lot in life. You know, let's go a little deeper in some
1: of the missions that the Space Force can, and and what you are allowed to discuss, the role of Space Force in protecting the U.S. and its interests in space. One of the, you know, some of the current and potential threats to U.S. interests in space, and how does the Space Force address them?
2: Roger that. So within Space Force, we are broken up into specific mission sets that are looking to compete against our Uh, Competitors that are trying to detract um, capabilities. When we look at Delta 8, which is our MILSATCOM GPS Delta, our whole lot in life is the development and evolution of secure communications for our strategic users. Delta 2, which is tied to our space domain awareness section within Space Force, whole lot in life is to track and make sure that everything in the space domain is accounted for and. More importantly, they leverage intelligence information to make decisions and allow decision makers to have a full perspective of what's going on in the space domain. There's other uh, Deltas that are tied into each mission set, electronic warfare to a wide variety of uh, other aspects. Delta IV is right in our backyard talking about early warning missile tracking, missile uh, detection. We have uh, another uh, Delta Delta 7, our intelligence uh, lines of the road, they fuse each and every base intel information within the other deltas, so everybody has the latest and greatest assessment of what's going on with our competitors and uh, with, our, uh, with our allies. So, Colonel Jackson, everybody
0: knows Buckley by sight, by the radomes out there, right? Everybody knows the golf balls out there on the east side of town. You look at them out the plane window when you're landing, you know, you're home. Uh, It's what we've known Buckley for. And I'd like to talk about that a bit. Uh, The Space Force operates a number of of satellites and ground-based radar systems that are used to provide early warning of missile launches, monitoring the trajectory of missiles in flight. Space Force is even involved in the development and operation of missile defense systems, which are designed to intercept and destroy incoming missiles before they reach their targets. So, let me get a little bit more into that missile detection mission, and I guess... Maybe it's even uh, playing itself out a little bit in the Ukraine-Russia situation right now. But why why is
2: it important? How's that mission carried out? Great question. So wh- what's different from uh, the 460th Operations Group, which traditionally did just space-based infrared system, to what we are doing now in Delta Four, which is incorporating space-based infrared systems along with ground-based radar systems across the continental U.S.? Those are overlaid together, round-based radar, along with space-based infrared system to get a global picture. That global picture uh, allows for our early warning missile detection to, to recognize events anywhere around the world at the earliest amount of time possible. Historically, those two mission sets were separated by two different space wings. Now they're consolidated as one and by having the overlay of what's coming around the poles that our ground-based radars, our mission set is notionally looking at, and our space-based infrared system is looking at the global picture, that integration allows for a quicker decision time space for our strategic leaders to in our combat commands to make our decisions. You know, it's um, important for us
1: to understand that there's another thing that can affect any and all of us, you know, whether you'll be in a company or public sector or private sector. You know, one of the key responsibilities of the Space Force is to ensure the security of military and civilian space systems from cyber threats. Now this includes protecting against, as we know, uh, satellite communications, GPS, things you've mentioned, uh, Carl Jackson, and other space-based systems that are critical to the operation of the military and the overall functioning of society. Again. This is parts that can sound abstract at times, but help us understand what cybersecurity is and what is at stake, and again, how it is the mission carried out in this particular domain?
2: So from a cybersecurity and cyber perspective, you can look at things and vignettes that we've experienced as a nation uh, over the past couple of years, banking systems being infiltrated, business practices trying to establish cyber defense of their organizations, and so you put that same mindset into military perspective, and when you're talking about satellites, you're talking about weapon systems, it doesn't matter what domain you're in. Um, as we are becoming more digital in every aspect, every domain, the emphasis of cyber protection is ever so vital. And from a Space Force perspective, we live in the digital era. Everything we do, for the most part, relies on digital aspects. And so our relationship with Cybercom is ever so important, and so competition in the cyber uh, realm is also important. Uh, understanding how our competitors are operating and doing business uh, in that uh, domain allows us to understand how do we uh, protect ourselves. And yeah, we all know the challenges, you know, I yeah. bet everybody in the
1: audience is either experienced themselves or have uh, known of people who have been cyber attacked and we know about all the things that can happen with your own personal banking systems and things like that so you know when you think about uh, all the things that are going on in the future the upcoming technologies and capabilities at the same time NASA has plans to set up bases on the moon and other countries like China have similar goals and could there be a day where there is a space force guardian on the moon or actually in space so
2: what is it you see in the future for a Space Force? So what I see is um, a highly competitive domain, which will drive the emphasis for the Space Force and the DoD to look at resiliency in our architecture and various uh, mission sets within the space domain. When you look at mil to GPS to your imagery, we're looking at, you know, probably having more... Resilient architecture, being able to send maybe smaller satellite types, cheaper uh, satellite types, and all of that's got to be tracked. <laughs> that level of technology is going to have to advance. Think of air traffic controllers um, being able to track all different type of airlines uh, coming in and out of, you know, Denver International. Well, you know what we do day in and day out right now is that level at the space domain, and as more and more satellites. Across the globe they're launching and saturating the system. We have to have capabilities and tracking mechanisms that will catch up and be able to uh, identify those items and also understand if there are techniques and procedures that our editors are utilizing. Because what I see is a, an explosion of space satellites in our uh, domain in the next 10, 15 years. It's already, it's already here now, but it's going to be uh, extremely competitive in that domain and we're you know we're talking about uh, the military
0: applications and adversaries and and all that stuff let alone the civilian application and the number of commercial rockets that are going up and missions that are being completed i mean it's it's not like you used to be able just to control it because you know it
2: was the it was in the military that was there was there uh it's getting crowded up there absolutely and uh, when you talk about commercialization and Next generation capabilities and technologies; those partnerships that the Space Force is looking at and developing and establishing with our commercial entities is ever so uh, vital in the years to come. Um, Share resources, being able to understand operating environments, and are we seeing the same thing, or are we leveraging next generation technology for the greater good of the globe? That's where you know U.S. Space Force is really going to make some inroads with our commercial partners. And also our ally partners, too. So so I've got one more for you myself
0: before we, before we wrap things up, and it's about the people. Uh, I, I've gotten to know many, many, many of your team members out there. I know they're amazing young people that wear that Space Force uniform in this day and age. I had the privilege of being out there when the uh, Air Force Legends Tour came through and General Myers, uh, you know, former four-star uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and, and some three-stars were gathered. And I saw the way that the Guardians interacted with him. I'm not sure when I was like a two-striper back in the day and a four-star was standing in front of me, I was <laughs> going to have the nerve to to have conversations that they were having. And that speaks to the quality and character of the guardians and. You know, if, if I can get you to, to talk a bit, as the proud commander that you are of those men and women out there, I'd, I'd love to have you share
2: that. Absolutely, I, I put it this way, if I was in their shoes now, I couldn't even get in. <laughs> uh, our junior um, CGOs, our junior enlisted corps, come into the uh, Space Force with so much talent with so much innovation and ideas, and more importantly, with the concept of asking us the whys. And I know that used to be a taboo um, years past, but the why is so important to what we do as a service and to really get after the next generation capabilities. There's always a better way of doing things. Dinosaurs like myself have to keep up with, with technology advances, but more importantly, being able to understand the human perspective of the military. The predominant force across the DOD is everybody under the age of 40, really under the age of 35. And having an understanding of what that generation really takes to make the uh, DOD grow is so imperative. Uh, And it's a two-way street, understanding that, but also understanding and providing the vision of where we need to go as an organization and be able to communicate in layman's terms to our uh, younger generation, because really what they're gonna be doing is taking us to another level that we haven't seen before. And our guardians are coming in with a wealth of uh, background uh, degrees. So I am so impressed with the younger generations and they're gonna continue to build and take us to the next level. And then also would be remiss not to mention that uh, our airmen here at uh, Space Base Delta Two work day in and day out with the Guardians to make sure that that combat support capabilities there. Uh, 99.5% of Space Base Delta Two is comprised of airmen. We are leveraging that in our Space Force uh, integration processes, and that's vital for us to s- succeed in years to come, because. In all our installations, we can't do our job as Guardians without the support and help of our Airmen day in and day out, and that's vitally important for that relationship to continue to blossom.
0: not going to lie. As much as I love the Guardians, I still don't mind hearing an F-16 every now and then. (laughs) I might still take me back to my Air Force days. (laughs) Yes,
1: sir. (laughs) Well, having flown the F-16, we can't forget that either, (laughs) putting that down. Let me just... uh, kind of close out a little bit here, uh, Marcus, you know, I'm going to give our audience an appreciation for your conversation today. I mean, you are making history. I mean, this is this is 1947 when the Air Force separated from the Army, and your leadership and your team and your airmen and your civilians have all been part and parcel of the ability to make this history a reality. So uh, I
0: salute you for that, and well done. Hey, how can I top that? Jeez. <laughs> I don't want to be too nice to him. I, I still need a favor or two before, uh, you know. Got you, Rick.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I. it's the best. Thank you for for your time today and joining John and I on this podcast where we can talk a little bit freely with people about w- what the Space Force is. And, and you can be as proud of the Space Force as you can be of any branch of service. So good on you. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you, Colonel Jackson, for joining us today on the program. That was so cool. All right, I, I'm going to go first and tell you what I loved. I, I, I loved everything about that. I, I loved the insight into the making of a new branch of service, and I love the insight into the, the magnitude of the scope out there. What were your takeaways, John? Well, one of the
1: things was we kind of
0: alluded to is the impact
1: on the average citizen. I mean, GPS, I mean, cybersecurity, I mean, those are things that affect every single citizen in the United States. And some of our audience members can relate to that directly. I mean, clearly, we all have experienced something in that regard. The one that I particularly want to kind of uh, jump ahead on is the aspect that, you know, now the Space Force is being more aggressive in its outlook, particularly on the offensive side. We have to, as Colonel Jackson said, this is a new domain, it's, uh, it's got a lot of threats now, and we have to think not only on the defense, we also have to
0: think on the offense, and that'll be more talked about in the future, I know. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's gonna do it. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit now wingsmuseum.org podcast to join the conversation and access the show notes. And we'll be back soon with another episode of Behind the Wings. Head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to subscribe and leave a review. It helps us a lot and we certainly appreciate it. That's it for now. We'll see you next time right here on Behind the Wings.